Hi, I'm Father Gregory Pine. And I'm Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. And you're listening to the Catholic Classics Podcast, where we seek to grow our interior lives by learning from the Church's greatest saints and teachers. Each season, we'll read through a great work, explain its spiritual principles, and help you apply its timeless wisdom to your life. The Catholic Classics Podcast is brought to you by Ascension. This season, we are reading Ascension's edition of Confessions by St. Augustine. A few reminders before we get started. To download the reading plan for Confessions, visit ascensionpress.com slash catholicclassics or text CONFESSIONS to 33777. Click follow or subscribe in your podcast app for daily notifications. Today we will be beginning Book 13 of the Ascension edition of Confessions. This bonus episode is an introduction to the reflections that you'll hear for the next few days. We wanted to take this opportunity to thank everyone who has helped support this podcast financially. Your support is so appreciated and helps us to reach as many people as possible. And if you haven't already, please consider supporting us at ascensionpress.com slash support. All right, let's get started. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Breathe in me, O Holy Spirit, that my thoughts may all be holy. Act in me, O Holy Spirit, that my work too may be holy. Draw my heart, O Holy Spirit, that I love but what is holy. Strengthen me, O Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy. Guard me then, O Holy Spirit, that I always may be holy. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Father Gregory, here we are. Book 13. Last book of the Confessions. Incredible. We haven't made it to the end, but we've made it to the beginning of the end. That's true. Yeah, you could say that about our whole life. You know, we've made it to the beginning of the end, but that might sound a little dark. So maybe we can hold back on that. Let's keep on the optimistic side because we've been striving for that. It's been a big venture. And uh, yeah, here we are. Are you (laughs) pumped? Are you excited? I was hoping you'd ask whether or not I was pumped. (laughs) Um, I I would say that I am. Yeah, the first time that I read the Confessions, I read the Frank Sheed translation, which excludes books 11 through 13. So I've never or I had never previous to preparing for this podcast, known the joy of completing books 11 through 13. But um, first time through it in preparing to write the introductions to the Ascension edition of the book, I was like, yo, dude, this is intense. And then the second time through it in preparing our notes for recording, I was like, I think I'm into this. So take heart, dear listener. After three more readings, you might warm up to book 13. Now, you probably have already warmed up to it at this stage of the game, but uh, it's worth it. It's a little bit of a struggle, but it's worth it. Yeah, I would say so. I was just going to say something about what you were saying, but I've, I've forgotten. So, oh, when you said you, you read the, the she translation, when I first read the Confessions, it was in, in Latin, of course. So, you know, nice. I read all, no, I'm just, that's a total joke. Uh, totally kidding. Okay, um, enough about us. Let's talk about book 13. <laughs> um, I think, right? We should do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. good. Uh, so book 13. So we start book 13, not in a new way. So don't get too excited about that. Or maybe get excited <laughs> about it. But we start, St. Augustine starts book 13 in the same way he's begun his other books, all the other books, but with a little with a little twist here, I would say. Um, he does so by offering a sort of prayer of praise again, right? So this has been the theme for or the sort of what what the mo that's what i'm trying to think of the mm. the mo of saint augustine through all the books to begin by offering a prayer of praise and thanksgiving to our lord but because it's book 13 in the last book the beginning here starts in ways that are similar to book one he saint augustine isn't 
a fool. He wraps up book 13 by relating a lot to book one. So we'll talk about that as we get through the episodes, but he does so even in his prayer of praise. And here at the beginning, at the outset, he yet again presents the reason for his writing, the confessions for the theme that is permeated each page, even in these latter chapters that are less autobiographical. Um, he gives us again the theme for writing it. And he says in, in book 13, the reason for writing his autobiography, The Confessions, is that he might serve and worship you to the end that I may have well-being from you. So praising God, serving God in his writing. I don't know. It's not as what complicated, weedy. You don't have to sift through the weeds so much at the beginning of of these prayers because they're prayers and kind of straightforward. But But thoughts on his prayers, his praise, his thanksgiving, his serving and worshiping God through his his confession of his life, Father Gregory, anything to offer us from your font of wisdom? Oh, wow. I see what you did there. Um, really set me up. Uh, so I, I think often of this line from Luigi Gisani, I believe he is servant of God, uh, Monsignor Luigi Gisani, who says, the real protagonist of history is the beggar. It is man who begs for the heart of Christ and Christ who begs for the heart of man. And I think that there's a real dynamism to the confessions insofar as it captures something of that you know, the protagonist of history, because you see St. Augustine is a beggar. He's a beggar before the Lord for, you know, his grace, specifically for his forgiveness, his mercy, Uh, but also he's a beggar for the meaning of his own life. And we've talked about this often enough that, you know, in our human lives, there's these two dimensions of living the life and then of interpreting the life and how interpreting the life becomes part of the living of the life. It helps us to engage more richly with the living of the life. And St. Augustine is, I mean, he's cracked the code or he's found the life hack, which is to say, you, you can interpret your life well to the extent that you lay it bare before God. And you might not necessarily come up with satisfying propositional solutions like, oh, oh, I suffered this because of this particular life lesson that the Lord wanted to convey. It's like, mm, maybe. Maybe not. But at the very least, if you come before the Lord in contrition, you know, in repentance and in prayer, right, in praise, as we often find St. Augustine assuming the posture of praise, then it's not so much that your life will kind of make sense in the propositional sense of that, but that it will make sense in that it will be reconciled to the Most High God and caught up in that movement whereby we're made more and more like Him and we enjoy greater intimacy and intensity of relationship with Him. And that's just, St. Augustine keeps coming back to it because he's convinced of it. And uh, I think it's a way in which we can stand to learn from this text and be shaped by it. Yeah, it's not new. I don't think there's, like the Christian life, the life of discipleship isn't new or complicated. Life gets messy and complicated, but the call of Christ is simple and our pursuing that is simple, or at least the means by pursuing that, you know, clinging to the sacraments, clinging to prayer, spiritual reading, what we're doing now, you know, and, and feeding the mind and heart such that we might love and know God more deeply, more truly our neighbor in the same. And, and Augustine's sort of re- repetition of prayers of praise each time, just reiterate that in a, in a new way for us, perhaps if we haven't read him before that, you know, we just have to cling to Christ in the ways that he promises will be fruitful. And St. Augustine does that. So one of the themes Again, that St. Augustine has used, has, has commented on in different ways throughout the Confessions, but does so anew here in Book 13 is God's goodness, particularly with respect to creation, because remember in these final books, St. Augustine is working through Genesis and the creation narratives. He's taken some, what, tangential or, or winding paths in his meditation, and, and we can remember talking about time and and by way of example. Um, here, he'll continue in this book to, to meditate, to think about, to philosophize on creation and God's 
as creator, I was going to say role in creation, but as creator in our relationship to God as creator. But here he, he focuses a bit, um, especially in the beginning of book 13, on God's goodness and creation being a result of God's goodness and creation existing in God's goodness. The, um, there's this praise in worship song called the goodness of God. And there's, I forgot who sings a version of it. Many people sing, but like her, I heard it recently and her, her voice is like wildly incredible. Anyways, doesn't matter. Um, but <laughs> when I saw it or when I'm thinking about the goodness of God, that song keeps popping into my head. So the bottom line here, the sort of takeaway point as we're preparing to get into these chapters in book 13 is that God creates because he's good not because we deserve it or we have a right to it, but because he is good and he desires to share that goodness with creation. And he does so in particular ways with the different things in creation. Um, St. Augustine will read when we get into the chapters, you made not out of any want, but out of the plenitude of your goodness. We know this, it's a tenet of our faith, but it's beautiful to hear St. Augustine uh, what bringing this to bear in his confessions and his meditation in, in, on Genesis, especially when we hear that all of creation is good. So, Father Gregory, thoughts on goodness, thoughts on my goodness, um, thoughts on God's goodness. You can say whatever you want. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I was thinking about this recently because, um, well, I wrote a dissertation about Jesus, and part of that dissertation was a meditation on how God causes, and specifically how good is a cause, or how the good motivates a certain causality. And there's this principle that you'll sometimes hear cited, depending on what kind of books you read, probably not cited in like Harry Potter, but it is cited in St. Thomas Aquinas. So those are different kind of books, but it's the good is diffusive of itself. And this is picked up from the philosophical tradition that St. Augustine mastered, the Platonic and Neoplatonic tradition. And the basic idea is that good has a tendency to spread or to communicate itself in ways that are addressed to, you know, creatures for their understanding and for their conformity, as it were. Okay, Father Gregory, could you explain that more complicatedly? I wasn't lost enough. Okay, yeah, sure, no problem. Uh, the basic idea here is that like goodness has a way of communicating itself. So like you, you can think of a very holy person, you can think of a very generous individual, and there's a way in which that person kind of brims over or that person's radiance is so attractive, right? That it kind of communicates a certain dignity on all those whom they meet. Think about St. Teresa of Calcutta picking a man out of the gutter who was being eaten by maggots. And Justin her kind of deigning to or stooping to pick him up. There's something about that man and our, our gaze upon him, which is changed, which is transfigured. And that is just but a pale shadow or a thin participation in the goodness of God and the way in which it communicates to us our very life, you know, our very life breath. Uh, so St. John of the Cross has this famous line, you know, God, I, I'm going to paraphrase and butcher. So it's going to be a para-butcher, a butcher phrase. Um, he says, God saw not, you know, love there and he put love there and then you were. So God's not motivated by like the possibility of us or how well we're going to do if he just gives us the chance. God's motivated by his own goodness and his goodness is generous and, you know, it's diffusive of itself. And we see that in creation. And so it helps us to live in a kind of spirit of gratitude and a spirit of the gratuity or graciousness, which informs all of God's acts in, you know, or among his creatures. Yeah. And that it. I mean, it's a, all of these things are related and, and as much as St. Augustine's writing about them in a related way. And so what, in book 13, he carries on through this theme of goodness and into the, the different verses that highlight the sort of seven days of creation, the different parts of creation. So he does this by 
looking at the creation of the firmament, the creation of, well, first the light um, in 1.3, he, he looks at the creation of the firmament, the creation of the, the seas and the earth of all things. And this theme of goodness carries through. But another, with that, um, he recognizes through creation, we, the height of creation, men and women, are are led back to God, that all is created for us to see and be in relationship with God. It's not as if God creates, you know, the seas that are in, in, in the dry land, and that has no bearing on our existence or our relationship to the creator. So there's a sort of holistic, I guess we could say that might be a bit anachronistic to say there's like a holistic understanding of creation, but I think we could talk about it in those ways. He sees it as a whole, um, St. Augustine does, that all of creation is joined together to praise, to glorify, and to be led back to God, um, to share in that goodness, to participate in it. One of the things that he sees in these creation stories are two things, and we'll, we'll give a sort of brief little schematic right now, but spend more time, obviously, when we get to the chapters and the episodes, is that in his reading of Genesis, he sees two pieces, I guess, of revelation come come out. I don't know, we could say it that way, speak to us, be revealed, perhaps that's the best way to say it. And that has to do with the role of the Trinity in creation and the sort of role of the church in creation or the allegory of the church in creation. So let's say a few words about the Trinitarian sort of existence in these pages as St. Augustine sees them. I think we've talked about the Son and, and the Word in earlier books, um, the Word being present in creation. We can think of the prologue to the Gospel of John. So we have the reality of the Son, who is the wisdom of the Father, who has who is with him in creation, who has, you know, God creates through the second person, through the Word. But we might be a little more familiar with that. But what about, he spends some time talking about the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. I guess, yeah, let's set up a little bit for when we get to these chapters, where the Holy Spirit is in St. Augustine's mind here. My favorite judo move is like psyching people out by just interpreting St. Augustine through St. Thomas Aquinas. <laughs> so when St. Thomas Aquinas talks about the triune God at work in creation, you talk about the missions. When we think about mission, we're like, okay, you're like going on a journey to do a thing, to accomplish a task. That's a good enough, you know, understanding. And he'll say basically that in the interior life of God, we have distinct persons. So the Father begets the Son, the Father and the Son breathe forth the Holy Spirit. And we call those processions, which is to say we identify that the Son has his origin in the Father, the Holy Spirit has his origin in Father and Son, not in time, but from eternity. But then those origins are the kind of pattern of God's engagement with his creation. So the Father sends the Son, and the Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit. And the Son comes into our lives as the author of sanctification, and he bears the Holy Spirit, who is the gift of sanctification. And so, you know, we're talking pre-fall, during fall, post-fall, there's always a need to welcome the triune God in our lives, that God might dwell in us richly by his grace as in a temple, and that we might advert to or turn to the Most High God who is present within us. And we receive, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ in the incarnation, but in his invisible mission as the author of sanctification, we, we receive the Holy Spirit in his visible manifestations in the New Testament, like when he descends in the baptism and when he's, you know, present in the enveloping cloud at the transfiguration and when the Son breathes on his apostles in the upper room to grant them the power to bind and loose and when he descends as tongues of flame in Acts 2 at Pentecost. 
Yeah, so I, so I think that finally that we receive the Holy Spirit and his invisible mission with the life of grace, you know, as he comes to the gift of sanctification. So the purpose of creation is to be a kind of tabernacle or to be a kind of monstrance even of the Most High God by cultivating a receptivity to and openness to the Son who is sent, the Holy Spirit who is sent, and who in being sent are sent to us so that we receive not just like cool things that they tell us about or cool things that they mediate to us, but to actually receive them, to receive the Son, to receive the Holy Spirit and the Father who comes with them because you can't divide the persons from each other as if to say like you over there and then you over there it just doesn't work that way so i think that what we get in saint augustine is a gesture in that direction about how god dwells with his creatures so as ultimately to introduce them into the heavenly dwelling place and this is why too i think saint augustine not that he's inserting into the scriptures as, as sort of just trying to fit pieces that don't fit but in his reading of the story of creation why he sees the church present in allegory or at least in sort of preparatory form because it is through the church um, that we are saved it's you know our lord decided to to offer us his grace through the sacraments through the deposit of faith that is protected and, and promoted i like those two words i think promoted sounds a little whatever but two p's so the alliteration might help but protects and promotes the deposit of faith the revelation sound doctrine you know the sort of storehouse of sacramental grace the deposit of grace is given to us through the church and if we remember back when saint augustine converted and was baptized he meditated he thought about he he recognized the the beauty and necessity of the church and also if you remember when the church in milan was under persecution by the empress and and those people were having a sort of sit-in to protect the churches there were many moments in saint augustine's life when the church um, became more and more visible more came more and more to the fore of its importance and reality so we'll spend some time talking about the church in creation, the church as the the vessel, the bark by which, through which, on which we're led to Christ and to, you know, our salvation, our redemption. So the last thing that I want us at least to spend a few seconds thinking about is, again, the relationship, this sort of inclusio, the bookends of the confessions from book one to book 13. Um, if you remember at the beginning of book one, St. Augustine had this famous line about our hearts being restless until they rest in God. And here in book 13, a theme that he comes back to, a major theme, is that of rest or repose. And it's here too in book 13 that that St. Augustine makes this sort of what I see as kind of an ultimate confession, especially, at the, you know, he's not writing this at the very end of his life, but remember in the middle of his life, but at this point is sort of a sort of capstone confession, a realization, a revelation, an epiphany, whatever we want to call it, that it's only in God do we find our rest. You know, he said this at the beginning, but now as, as we're coming to the conclusion of the confessions, he returns to it that we are made to rest, to be with God and the wanderings of his life, the wanderings of his life up until this point, the wanderings of his of his sin, of his temptation, of his vice, um, of his heart, of his mind have you know become more and more honed in on the one thing, more and more transformed by grace, by Christ, conformed to Him, and it's in some way you can see, at least in my mind, how I see this happening is that for St. Augustine in writing his confessions and reflecting on his life, it just becomes not that it wasn't clear already, but becomes even more clear, even more focused that, that rest, happiness, fulfillment, contentment is to be found in God and God alone. And that when a life is in pursuit of that, 
you know, it's kind of like what more could be wanted. I think here too of St. Monica, of the influence she must have had of, of her death and her final conversations must have had on him and coming into a deeper understanding of this. So Father Gregory, thoughts here as we wrap up our, our final intro of this season of the Confessions on this theme or anything else you want. You're not, you're not bound by my, <laughs> by my train of thought. Yeah, no, it's, I think it's a good thought with which to conclude um, that there is a rest that lies in store because I think sometimes we get so used to being hungry and thirsty to being on the way and kind of beaten down <laughs> that we forget that there is a home in which we can abide. And that's not to attribute to heaven some kind of static state in which we'll be in like a sensory deprivation chamber and never have to worry about blah, 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 and thus and such. Not saying that. There's still a dynamism to heaven, but it's not a dynamism of labor you know, which we associate with our punishment from Genesis 3, or or a dynamism of, of anguish and anxiety, which I think characterizes probably many of our lives. Uh, it's a dynamism of, of peace. You know, St. Augustine has many beautiful things to say about peace and rest. And uh, we, we've grown inured to those words because they're used so irresponsibly in so much Christian preaching, which lacks for content, but just deals in one-syllable words. But I think that it's, it's real. We can't despair of it as a real possibility for ourselves because the Lord intends it. You know, he wills it for us and he makes available those means which lead to it and saint augustine's life testifies to that fact and in signal fashion well there you have it book 13 final book of the confessions here we go get ready get excited should be great so we're going to pick up with the episodes and, and walk our way through as we have so until then know of our prayers for you please pray for us and we will catch you next time on catholic classics <laughs>